What's going on, everyone? Happy Tuesday. It's a Tuesday a night edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. I've got a real treat for you guys today. I have Justin Marvel, host and founder of the This Just In Sports Show. Justin, how are you doing this evening? And thank you for taking some time to come join me and talk sports. It has to be a great evening. Every time I am invited to come on the final whistle, it has to be a great evening. And from the topics that you told me, we have a lot in store from the NFL draft right up to NBA and the breakdown heading into the playoffs. So I am excited to get into this episode. Probably not as excited. No, I am more excited than you to get into this episode. (laughs) Well, without further ado, let's dive right in. I mean, we're going to first start off with some breaking news that took place yesterday. Julian Edelman, uh, New England Patriots wide receiver, one of the greats to ever do it in the Patriots uniform, announced his retirement yesterday evening. Justin, what was your overall first impression of what took place and what is his legacy in the NFL and with the Patriots, in your opinion? First, it was surprising that this is the way that he would go out because if there was anyone who embodied being a tough guy, it was always Julian Edelman. I mean, for a guy so, so small in stature, he was like, he, he never, you know, shied away from going over the middle as a slot receiver and the punishment he took. And to realize that this guy is going out due to injury is, is just really, really sad because I always will, will remember him as a tough guy. The guy who um, is like a feel good story. Like, you know, a guy who never got major um, scholarship offers was a quarterback at Kent State, not drafted, and then you see what he becomes. Or sorry, a seventh round draft pick, and then you know becomes one of the more glorified Patriots wide receivers, not named Randy Moss or Wes Welker, a three-time Super Bowl champion, and as we know, also a Super Bowl MVP for a guy who's drafted in seventh round as a quarterback out of a small college like Kent State. Um, just a great career for, you know, as I said, where he was drafted. And it's really heartbreaking to see that he was forced into retirement by injury. Absolutely. Again, I agree with you there. He's an Iron Man. That's how we envisioned him. He'd be, he'd be played broken. He played broken probably 95% of his career. And he was always dealing with some injury that he was playing through. And he was one of those few quarterbacks that was able to transition to a different position played wide receiver made that transition in the nfl and was extremely successful at it took over the slot really fulfilled that Wes welker role after Wes welker ended up making his departure from new england so very unique to see feel good story it's really disappointing to see that that injury has lingered on and carried into him because i really thought he was moving to tampa bay i thought tom brady had him on the line that I, I heard it was in the works from a couple of the people that I was working. He was really trying to reel him in. I like, I'm almost certain there is not an NFL final there that didn't think he was en route to Tampa Bay when you heard that he was cut due to injury. But then minutes later, we found out that he was really retiring. And yeah, I, I honestly thought, well, here is they're going to replace Antonio Brown with the ultimate slot receiver guy. And well, another championship for Tom, but, Unfortunately, it was not to be. Yeah, so we're going to jump now into some different talk as we're going to actually do a crazy segment that we start that I started up and created. I know some other podcasts and other sports shows have done it, 
but we're going to have a little bit of a twist on it. We're going to do a NFL mock draft. Justin will have the first pick and it will go every other pick. So I will have all the even picks and we're going to do the first half up to number 16 for how this mock draft is going to work. We're not going to predict trades. We're just going to go based off how the current draft is set up. So we do have Miami moved up as well as the Niners moved up, but we're going to not focus in if there's going to be any potential trades. We'll talk about some potential trades after the mock draft unfolds. So Justin, you are on the clock. Who is the really? Jacksonville Jaguars taking? <laughs> I think you're really the guy on the clock. I mean, from the time that he took over at Clemson and chased Kelly Bryant out of town, we all knew that it was just a matter of time that Trevor Lawrence was going number one. Um, and from the moment I saw him, and this, I didn't take this draft process to know. And the moment I saw him take over from Kelly Bryant, I told friends, this guy is the best quarterback prospect I personally have seen since Andrew Luck. So, like, it was just like you heard the hashtags tanking for Trevor. Like, so I'm really not on the clock. Um, this is all you. So, number one, Trevor Lawrence. I don't think there's a single draft board out there that has anything different. I agree. I think it's pretty much cut, set, and dry that it's going to be Trevor Lawrence as the top pick with Urban Meyer. So I am now on the clock. I have the New York Jets, the second pick. I've actually, a lot of my following are Jets and Giants fans. So, I mean, this has pretty much been inevitable. I think it's been pretty foreseen and pretty clear how this is going to go. It's going to be Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU. I don't have Zach Wilson as my number two quarterback personally, but we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But Zach Wilson You've seen the plays that he's created at BYU, especially in this last season. Last, uh, the year before, his tape was a little bit of a mixed bag. So you're trying to see how is he going to take that next step into his senior year. He has, can make every throw imaginable. It is pretty ridiculous. And many people have seen and said glimpses. They're not comparing him to Matt Patrick Mahomes, but you can see the glimpses of Patrick Mahomes. And I think with the Jets, they have moved on from Sam Darnold. He is now in Carolina. It is pretty clear cut that it's going to be Zach Wilson. So I have Zach Wilson being the new face of the franchise with the New York Jets. Now to the number three pick. What are your thoughts on Wilson? And you're, you're now on the clock for the San Francisco 49ers. So, and I don't want to make it seem like I predicted this, but as you would know, I have a life on Instagram with Adam Lewis from the What Off Season pod every Thursday night. You've been on as well. And I told him months when the draft process was now starting, when the season was done, I know everyone likes Justin Fields, and he does too. But when I got to see some tape, yeah. (laughs) When I got to see some tape on Zach Wilson, I'm like, wait, I caught him picking a minute. Hold on a second here. And I'm like, Wow, this guy, as you mentioned, there are shades, and I'm not trained to compare him to Patrick Mahomes as well, but you see the ability to throw off-platform, the ability to, to make plays, extend plays, to throw the ball all over the field. Granted, it was not at an extremely high level, but this guy's mechanics or this guy's ability, woo! and I also said then the pro day only made it 
you know, worse for me. That was like, yeah, this this guy's going number two overall. Especially that circus throw he made, rolling to his left. Rolling to his left and throwing to Cross the his field. body, down, opposite hash, in stride. <laughs> in stride. Like, the receiver didn't have to hold up or break stride to, to wait for that football. It was there in stride. I'm like, yeah, this guy's going number two overall. So turn it off. Like, this draft really starts at, at the San Francisco 49ers, and that's where I'm picking now. So let me put a caveat to this. If I was John Lynch, I would be taking either Trey Lance or your guy, Justin Fields, at okay. number three. So that if that's me. Okay. Because the potential of those two quarterbacks is extremely high. I don't see why I would give up a whole ton of draft capital to get up to number three to get a quarterback just to fit what I'm doing. Like, if I'm getting to number three, this guy, in my estimation, has to be putting me over the top, especially when I have a championship-caliber defense and a team that's ready to win right now in easily the toughest division of all the NFL. That being said, everything points towards Matt Jones. And so to make sure that my mock draft does not get spoiled in a couple of weeks time it has to be Matt Jones I see the look on your face and that's how I felt I mean when it hurt as a Bay Area native I'm from I grew up I'm from the Bay Area I mean I've lived and grew up watching the Niners and the Raiders if you take Mac Jones you're putting yourself in the hole for the next four years behind everyone in that division and you already might be behind them at the moment that's like Jimmy G is not an answer. I agree. Somebody that's elite. And so, as I'm here sitting down in the draft person's chair, let me just give the positives. It would seem that Matt Jones is an extremely intelligent quarterback, very good pre-snap reads, does not miss wide open throws. And as we know, Jimmy Garoppolo missed a wide open throw that would have given San Francisco 49ers a Super Bowl. Um... That being said, Matt Jones does not nearly have the athletic talents of any of the four quarterbacks who should be chosen above him. Matt Jones's athletic ceiling is about as high as mine. Okay. <sighs> Matt Jones's numbers, and I'm going to say this quite rarely, they are inflated because when you look at the players he played around, and I mean, granted, Matt Jones seems to deliver a good ball and on time. You are playing with Jalen Waddle, uh, probably first, second, or third way receiver off the board. The first one talent, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Devontae Smith, who is months removed from winning the Heisman Trophy and arguably the greatest wide receiver season ever seen in college football. Mm-hmm. You are you have played in your backfield with the best running back in the draft in Najee Harris, who is also a great right receiver out of the backfield. These are all first-round talents and if on an offensive line who probably man for man at some point will all come out in the first round. Eventually, you are playing on a loaded Alabama offense. I do not know if I can look at your numbers and extrapolate them to the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be really unique to see So now I actually think this is where the draft really gets cooking because if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, I'd be trading out, but I would, I would, I would trade out. I think 
we'll talk about we'll talk about Atlanta more specifically later on after we finish this. But if I'm the Athletic Falcons, I am not going quarterback because Matt Ryan is not the problem. No, he's Matt Ryan has never been the problem. So at this point, I think it's too high to go with a defensive prospect because that's what they really need help with. Yeah, it's um, too high. But so this is where you go the best player available. And Kyle Pitts is the best player on my board over Trevor Lawrence, actually. I have him the best prospect in the entire draft. Go get yourself a tight end. Give yourself now a one, two, three-headed monster on the outside with Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and then you add in Kyle Pitts. You put yourself right back into contention to score with anybody in this league. So even though your defense has been absolutely atrocious, you can hopefully be able to score enough to at least keep yourself in games. So Kyle Pitts is my pick for the Atlanta Falcons. You have right, destroyed Justin. my board, no. Destroyed you your board? completely destroyed my board. But I, I kind of anticipated that because I agree with you. I have in some order Trevor Lawrence or um, Kyle Pitts as the best player in this draft. They want to in some order. Yeah. And I think there's a significant drop-off after that. So we'll know that you have destroyed my board. I am number five Cincinnati Bengals. And so let me give the caveat here again. If I was taking best player available, I mean, you've taken Kyle Pitts away. I would think hard about Jamar Chase at this spot, especially considering that he has a rapport, obviously, from that championship winning season with Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. But I am also a guy who does not believe in taking wide receivers in the lottery part of the draft because you can find equal and better. Yeah, you can find production late on the draft that we've seen. Like just last year's draft, the best rookie wide receiver was Justin Jefferson, and he didn't come to the middle or later part of the first round. Yeah. So I have an issue taking a wide receiver in the first five spots. This is not to say that Jamar Chase does not belong here, but I'm going to go with Pinay Sewell. I, I don't think you can go wrong. And in talking to – I had Joe Morley on my show a couple of weeks back, yeah. and he dropped a great stat. The position that has generated the most Pro Bowls inside the first round, have it has been offensive line. And you just can't go wrong here with the best offensive line in the draft. I mean, we just months ago saw how Joe Burrow's season ended for Cincinnati, and you just don't want this guy scrambling for the rest of his life. So, Pinay Sewell from Oregon, my number five pick for Cincinnati Bengals. I agree. That's where I completely would have gone as well. Uh, Sewell here, I think it was pretty much, it's pretty much a no brainer, especially with Joe Burrow coming off the injury. And Sewell is my third overall prospect in the draft. I think that would be your smart move there. All right. So for number six, I have the Miami Dolphins who are on the clock. And I'm actually going to rekindle Tua's relationship here. And I'm bringing in Devontae Smith out of Alabama. You have Will Fuller. You have Devontae Parker. You've got two solid one-two wide receivers out there now. You also have a solid tight end to Mike Kosicki. So why not rekindle something you that you know works? You bring in Devontae Smith. You've seen this year that he can play at every position on the outside. He can play in the slot. He can be come out of the backfield. He can play on the outside. He can play line up wherever you need him to. So I think this is a no-brainer. It's a home run. 
if you really want Tua to be your future, you bring in the correct player that will make sure that relationship stays perfect and rekindles and blows up for the Miami Dolphins. And their defense was not a problem last year. They just need to figure out how to get Tua more consistent offensively. So I'm taking Devontae Smith as the number six overall pick. Well, because I didn't have Pitts going to Atlanta, I had him falling here to Miami. But without Pitts, I, I agree and I like this pick. So now this me, Detroit, uh, NFC North rival of Maine. And uh, with the departure of Kenny Galladay, then I think it's only natural then that you take Jamar Chase, who in my estimation, if you call Kyle Pitts a tight end, then I think for me, he's the best wide receiver in this draft above Jalen Waddle and the aforementioned Devontae Smith, um, a physical specimen. I, I, I absolutely like him. I liken him to Anquan Bolden. So, yeah, I think it just fits need and talent. Like you're getting the, probably the best player available and uh, you're filling uh, a need. So I think this pick is a no-brainer for, for Detroit. Completely agree there. All right. So Carolina Panthers, that's who I have now, the number eight overall pick. I think you could de- – Carolina could go a multitude of angles here. You could go offensive line. You could go defensive back. Or even you could even add another wide receiver if you really want – if you're really sold on Jalen Waddle, you can go number eight here. I'm going to go with the offensive tackle out of Northwestern, Rashawn Slater. I know he's oh, sat out this last year. destroyed my entire draft board. Oh, my God. This is going to ace. I love Rashawn Slater. I think there's a huge gap between, between it's him, it's Sewell, him, and then there's a huge drop-off to the next offensive lineman, in my opinion. And he really has he – didn't, he didn't play this past year, but I think that was probably a smart decision to sit out. Northwestern was – okay they weren't great this year they did make the big 10 championship but still i don't think it really would have suited his mindset for what he was trying to do and you can put him out on the left side or the right side i think you'll probably put him on the left you'll be able to move your i can't think of the tackle off the top of my head now but you move him into guard because he knows how to play guard as well so i think that's a no-brainer there for the carolina panthers you go Rashawn slater number eight overall at a northwestern well, so now the Broncos, who, in my estimation, won't be choosing here, by the way, if they expect them to move up. Yep. But with our draft, this fits perfectly because the area of need and the best player available has fallen to them. So your guy, Justin Fields, is right here for the taking. You haven't taken Fields any earlier, right? No, Fields is still available on our board. I had Fields <laughs> going to San Francisco on my personal board, but... Right. Go well, ahead. Justin Fields is there. Justin Fields, Broncos. Um, I like Trey Lance a lot, but because Drew Locke is so, 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 so bad, Denver needs somebody who can play right away. And I think Trey Lance is a year or two removed from that. I think he has to sit behind an experienced quarterback and learn, which is why I would have pegged him in Atlanta. But as you correctly said, Matt Ryan is not the problem there. So if I need a talented quarterback and one who can play right away, um, Justin Fields played in the Big Ten and got to national championship game. So, yeah, Justin Fields on my draft board does fall all the way here to the name Denver Broncos. Okay. I like it. I like it. 
This is, I actually would have had Trey Lance go here if Fields was still – because I have Fields off my board. But now we're here to the Dallas Cowboys and how much it sickens me that I'm stuck with this pick as a Washington fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to have to pick another NFC East team, it looks like, too. Yeah, I'm going to have the Eagles because they go one, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for the Cowboys, you need defensive back help. I think this is pretty much a no-brainer. You go Patrick Sertan out of Alabama. He can play one-on-one on the outside. You pretty much don't have to worry about him. He knows how to play bump coverage. He knows how to play man. He knows how to play zone. You can pretty much line him up anywhere. He also knows how to play slot at Alabama. He pretty much co- covered the number one wide receiver that they were going against, and he shadowed them all across the field. So you can line up everywhere. I think this is pretty easy for Dallas. You go corner, you take your 10. That's my board, like. I mean, there are people who think that J.C. Horn may be the best corner in this draft, some even Caleb Farley. But yeah, for me, I think it's certain. And even then, even if he's not the best, you know he's one with no holes in his game. And you can plug him in right away. Like, I agree with you. It has to be him right here at Dallas. And that's an obvious, like, area of need for Dallas. Like, we saw last season. Yeah. So, sure. who, um, I, the Giants at number 11, yeah. Initially, he had Slater, but as you said, you have him gone. So then the next best offensive layman, and I mean, I think, because you're going to have to find out if Daniel Jones is your guy. Yeah. And thing is coming back this season, and you have to know what you're getting out of him as well. Um, oh, my gosh, names are beating me right now, but the Penn State running back, he's coming back this season. So Saquon, um, Saquon comes Saquon back. Saquon Barkley, yep. So having to find out about your two best offensive weapons, I think you take Christian Darasaw, the offensive layman, and you plug okay. him Okay. Wow, he yeah. is way off of my board. I have Darasaw wow. as my fourth best offensive lineman. Oh, wow. I, I, have, have, Vera, my... I have Elijah Vera Tucker ahead of him, just because I, I have more USC games. I have him coming up shortly. Um, yes, the USC off, offensive lineman. I have him short. Okay. But yeah, I go Christian Darasaw, because like you're going to have to find out for certain if Daniel Jones is your guy. And I think this is the make it or break it season. And you don't want excuses. So you give him as much help as possible on that whole line, create some space or some running holes for Saquon Barkley. So I go offensive line here because I just don't think the defensive players in this draft merit being chosen this high. And it sounds so weird, but we have not picked, well, sorry, outside of the corners, we haven't taken an edge rusher. We haven't taken a linebacker. And in my estimation, there's a reason why. Okay. All right. So now I have the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, like the Cowboys, you need help in the secondary. I don't think you should go wide receiver here, in my opinion. I think you need more help on the back end than you do offensively. I mean, Jalen Hurts has been solid. You have Jalen Rager. I think you have a lot of potential with the Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers that they've shown a little glimpses toward the end of the season once Hertz was in, put into the lineup. So here I'm taking JC Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. He's got crazy good ball skills. And I was listening to him on when he was talking to Brian McFadden this past week. And he, he's got that mentality that he just knows that he's a flat out dude and a baller on the football field. So I, I think it's a pretty much a no-brainer here. You could easily go Jalen Waddle. I wouldn't go Jalen Waddle personally. I go defensive secondary again for the Eagles because that's where they're always really 
stuck with and they need defensive back help. And you've got Horn and Sertan. You can go either way between these two, one, two, one, a one B. So I like JC Horn out of South Carolina. I have him exactly the same spot. That was an extreme area of need for Philadelphia. I mean, they have a ton of holes, but yeah, that was (laughs) one that they needed to plug immediately. So I too have JC Horn in that spot. So here we go. The Chargers, well, they just had to move up Christian Darasaw. So, because we saw how great, and I did not see this coming, how great um, Justin Herbert was last season. Going to have to give him a layman. And same guy, Vera Tucker from USC. Okay. I'm going to plug him right here. You don't want the same thing that we saw with Joe Burrow last season. Going to have to get solidify that lane. And the Chargers, I think, took away my, not I think, I know they took my, Pro Bowl um, center away from me. So you just suddenly fight that line even more and put Vera Tucker right there and plug and play. All right. Yeah, I, I know got... that your board must be destroyed now. Yeah, because I had Vera Tucker going next to Minnesota because offensive line is a huge need for Minnesota. Oh, I, I, had, them going to, I had him going to Minnesota as well. Okay, so but at least we're on the I... same page there. But I think now you go – you have to probably consider best available. Minnesota's going to really want to trade down. Yep. But Minnesota, you need some help in the linebacking core or you need an edge rusher. They haven't been able to get to the quarterback at all last year. So this is where I go best available. I would either go – you could either go Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamo out of Notre Dame, or you go Micah Parsons out of Penn State. I'm probably going to go – my best available on my board is Micah Parsons, so I'm going to go Micah Parsons, the Penn State linebacker, who can also play as an edge rusher if you really need him to. He's versatile like that. He's got elite speed at the linebacker position. He can fly all over the field. I like him going to Minnesota there. I like this, what we've done here, because then, you know, it shows how quickly on the – like on a fly you have to make changes (laughs) – this is what NFL this, GM this is must what, be like. This is how we're on the phone right now. Yo, he just took our dude. We are so screwed right now. Yeah. So I, I love this. Like I'm like, Tom, like, I, I'm here making changes on the flight. I so know, right? Doing, this is so like, doing, I, I, I love this. I might like, start doing this, like doing it once a week now on the show, but up to the draft. I think it'd be unique just for each different guest to see how the dra- drafts are different. Yep. So like, you're making changes like, oh my gosh, I have to take this guy out. We're going to get this guy. I so just, right now, I went through ahead, Minnesota bro. right there, and I was like, I had all three of my top people were linemen. All three of them, all, well, four of them technically are all gone. I couldn't even go there. Yeah, because Darius uh, is gone. From, so what do you got? Yeah, New England. So here's the shocker because I have New England trading up to get this guy, but because of our draft, he's right there for the taking and. Bill Belichick does it again. He gets his guy Trey Lance because he has fallen all the way to 15. And or yep, you didn't realize, but Trey Lance has not been taken. Trey Lance is still on the board and it fell right to Billy. Didn't have to do a thing. <laughs> and, and as I said, in my in my head, like I know that there are trades going to be finished uh, going to be done. And I have Bill Belichick trading up for him, but he must be smiling in our you draft. Have, so you have him taking Trey Lance regardless. Yeah, I have him t- taking Trey Lance. So that's so funny. That in this scenario, it just falls right to him. So, yep. That's great. The hoodie did not have to move anywhere. He gets his quarterback for the future. And we know Cam Newton is on a one-year deal. So that's perfect because, as I said before, Trey Lance is a guy you see having to sit for a year or two. 
to fine tune and polish those raw skills. And that works perfect. You saw all the moves that the Patriots have made in the um, free agency. And you've got like two great tight ends, John Smith and Hunter Henry from the Chargers, I believe. That is just going to work. That's going to be a rookie quarterback's perfect like, like release valve. So the hoodie gets his guy, Trey Lance, at number 15. Does he, does he play or does he sit the whole year? Depends on the situation. I say if the Patriots are in a position to make the playoffs and are actually good, then he sits. Okay. If by late in the season, with a quarter of the season left, and it's clear that they're not going, I think you see it's like how um, the Chiefs plugged Patrick Mahomes in for that last um, game of his rookie season. I see a similar situation if like either you have a seating wrapped up or you're out of the playoffs completely. I see Trey Lance getting in sometime late in the season. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. So our last pick of this mock draft that we're doing, we're stopping halfway through. We are with the Arizona Cardinals, who has been the team that has made pretty much every move imaginable. They even landed James Conner this morning. So, like, like, come on. I mean, like, the Cardinals have done pretty much everything imaginable on the offensive side of the ball. So that's definitely not the problem. You can go a multitude of ways here. Do you get another pass rusher for the Cardinals? I personally, if you're going, you're in the NFC West, you're going against so many stud wide receivers and elite wide receivers on the outside. You have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, even uh, Ayuk from San Francisco. He's he's a stud. You need somebody that can absolutely run with him. And Patrick Peterson is no longer there. He is with the Vikings. You take the final 1A, 1B, 1C corner. You take Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. That is the 16th pick. That's who I have going at 16 as well, oddly enough. To me, it was either um, the edge rusher from Michigan, as we mentioned before. But as as you just said, you have such offensive talent in the NFC West. and Patrick Peterson is no longer there. So I think if Caleb – and I'm hoping Caleb Farley falls to me in the 20s, the Packers, like, I really hope, but that's obviously not going to happen. So, yeah, yeah. You, you better you better get on the phone and trade up, bro, because he ain't going to be there. <laughs> no, so, yeah, I do have Caleb Farley right here at 16 as well. Who do, you, who do you, I mean, you are a Packers guy, so who would you, just because hypothetically, who who do you want that you guys are at 29? What, what, I want to trade up to get Caleb Farley. Like, like, so, you, so you think you should trade up? Okay. That's not going to happen, but I really do think we should trade up to get Caleb Farley because everyone saw what Kevin King looked like in that NFC title game. And unfortunately, we resigned him, but that's not, that can't be the guy that you play alongside Jair Alexander. So I really think that we need Caleb Farley because you know, as we just said, JC Horn will not fall there. Yeah. Obviously, Sertan definitely will not. So, yeah, it's intriguing to see. As a Washington fan, I'm I'm hoping we follow it falls to us as well. But if we have to, <laughs> I'd rather go Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. I'd rather go cornerback than go somewhere yeah, I, else. I, I want cornerback, and I, I just not. Well, technically, sure. Jalen Waddle hasn't been taken, so Jalen Waddle is going to fall to us according to our draft. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you had Jalen Waddle somewhere higher. I had Jalen Waddle going to the Chargers at 13. Just give, ah. just, just make it, ha- make Justin Herbert have a, just pick and choose where he wants to throw the ball each play. Cause I had, 
because I know you have, I mean, I had Austin Eckler on the show a couple months back. So I know oh, that awesome. he, he, elite wide receiver out of the, out of the backfield as a running back. And then you got Keenan Allen, Mike, if Mike Williams, hopefully, uh, I think he stays, we'll see. You're going to see how Mike Williams does that. Um, but still just keep, just add, just add in some more toys for J- Justin Herbert. That's so, the reason why he didn't go Jalen Waddle there. Cause as I said, Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen. That's just an embarrassment of riches, no. But yeah, it is the best player available at that spot. So who For knows? Sure. All right. So we went through our 16. All right, I'm trying, I'm gonna trying to see if I can remember well, wait, off the top. But of my let's head. back up there. We just picked 16 picks and Jalen Waddle did not get selected. Something went wrong. Well, yeah, we probably we went more need-based yet. Well, after after the top like eight picks i went more i go more need in my mock than like best available other than waddle going to the charges in my personal one so i want to talk about we we didn't say we were going to do trades justin i know you had a couple trades potentially in what you have in your mock what do you have i want to know so it starts at four okay which is where this is where atlanta should trade out by the way Yes, Atlanta, as you correctly said, Matt Ryan is not the issue. I do think if Atlanta does stay, I think it's going to be quarterback. Like, as I said, I don't see them taking a wide receiver so high. But there is Kyle Pitt, so probably that. Yeah. But I see them trading out on the two obvious needy teams. It's either going to be Denver or it's going to be the hoodie, as I mentioned. It's either going to be New England or it's going to be Denver. They yeah. are going to target quarterback, and it's who – the team that goes there, though, like you're going to have your choice because, as we mentioned, it seems – can't believe we're saying this, but it looks like Matt Jones is going at three. And that whoever is gets- so mind-bottling still to me. Justin Fields should be going number three overall. I mean, you can continue with your point, and then I want no. – we want – let's ra- – no I know we, you, you didn't uh, – you had a little rant that you had prepared on Justin Fields for your show yesterday. Unfortunately, it didn't uh, happen due to some – unforeseen circumstances but if you, want the floor, if you want the floor take it about justin fields because i'll rant too yeah. so let's say this row so i'll get to the pick i think atlanta trades out with either denver or um um sorry the patriots and that is justin fields or trey lance for sure i don't see in our draft scenario we have them all fall into fifth to lord now you can't see that happening so justin fields here's my thing up huh? This is the guy who everyone, before the draft process started, had him as the second best quarterback in this draft behind Trevor Lawrence. And I don't think he moved on my board. He didn't move on my board. <laughs> so then all of a sudden, no, and I'm on board with Zach Wilson. So we see Zach Wilson get, you know, he's slotted in at number two. Yeah. I had no issues with that. The alarm bells start going off, though, when you realize John Lynch nor Kyle Shanahan attended his first pro day. And then the rumors come that Matt Jones is going to slide up. And every one of us, every last one of us. Because they chose Matt Jones over Justin Fields because they both have the same pro day. <laughs> every one of us has Matt Jones slated as the fifth best quarterback in his draft. I don't care why anyone says. If you're being I have him to at yourself, four, actually. I have Trey Lance as my fifth best quarterback. But you definitely don't have yeah, him. Yeah, I don't third. have him no on fields for sure. No one has him at third. So then when I saw the rumors that they're moving up to get Matt Jones, alarm bells started going off. 
And it's still, this point still didn't ring to me until Dan Orlovsky. Love me some Dan Orlovsky. Those comments were the most irresponsible comments for a guy in the media I've ever heard. And for those who may not have heard the comments, Dan Orlovsky, uh, ESPN analyst, he didn't say it on ESPN, though he said it, um, Pat McAfee's show. Mm-hmm. Pat asked him a direct question. Why is Justin Fields slipping down everyone's board? No, to Dan Orlovsky's, Orlovsky's credit, he did say he doesn't know, but he has heard from teams that there, the, there's a question is work ethic. For, sorry, last guy in, first guy out. That rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Because here it is, huh? and unfortunately, I'm going to have to use the R word here. You don't hear this about white quarterbacks. Yeah, this always happens. It just feels like you want to demerit someone. Oh well, let's just say the work ethic is poor. He's not smart. You know, he doesn't want to be great. And why Dan's credit, um, comments were so irresponsible when the backlash inevitably came. He then turned around and apologized, said he did some more digging, and asked an offensive coach at Ohio State, and then a personal trainer of Justin Fields. And they said, this is hogwash. No one works harder than Justin Fields. And if that's the case, Dan should have done. Any reporter worth his salt knows you get balance. You hear from the teams and then you hear from the player or the people closest to the quarterback. And then you provide balance. This was irresponsible. And you've not heard it from any other quarterback but Justin Fields. And I have a, I have a, you've not heard it's about Zach Wilson, although we know he has a tendency of throwing up 50-50 balls. We have not heard this about Matt Jones. We've not heard this about Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Why is this that this is happening to Justin Fields when all of us pre-draft process had this guy as a second-rated quarterback, and all of a sudden now we're seeing mock drafts where he is sliding out of the top 10. This is absolutely ridiculous. And we see it time and time and time again. And I just like the narrative to stop. Yeah. I mean, I it's unfortunate. And I think it's really like I love Dan Orlowski. He's one of the best in the business to do it. But I I agree with you. I don't think he did enough of his background checking, especially when you work in college football and you're sometimes I think he called an Ohio State game this year, if I'm not mistaken correctly. So how do you not have your due diligence done? But for me, this is I, – I did a theory. We were talking about this a little bit before we came on. But I'm just going to run through the recent Ohio State quarterbacks, and I think this is why he's really actually been hurt, why his draft stock has completely faltered, is because of how bad Ohio State quarterbacks have not translated to the NFL, especially in the Urban Meyer era and in the Ryan Day era. So I'm just going to go based off of since Urban Meyer was the head coach of Ohio State, you can look at these uh, four or five, five or six, I think, past quarterbacks. Braxton Miller, I don't even think he won the job at that point when Urban Meyer took over. He had to move over to wide receiver to get playing time. So that's one. Braxton Miller now is a, I think, I don't know if he's still in Houston. We're going to be talking about Houston a little bit later. That's a whole hogwash there, <laughs> the way Justin says it. Um, second, JT Barrett. I don't even think he really even got an NFL shot. So there's that. 
Then you have three, Cardell Jones. He's no longer in the NFL. He had his chance with the Chargers, and he ended up blowing that. He ended up having to play in the XFL. I don't even know what he came. I don't even know why he came out in the year. Yeah, he came out a year too early. It made absolutely no sense. He was riding on a high. Then he didn't even play 80% of that season. Then he declared because he knew he was going to lose the job again to Barrett. Then even if you look at the next quarterback, we're not – first off, Joe Burrow is completely excluded from this because Joe Burrow never played a down at Ohio State. So that's why he's a complete outlier. And if people – someone come out and argue about the Joe Burrow argument – don't even start with me because he didn't play at all. Then secondly, you have Dwayne Haskins. And as a Washington fan, I know the entire fiasco from my source. I know the actually the true inside story. I'm not allowed to release it because he told me off the record, unfortunately. Because, But I'm going to keep you on the edge of your seats if he ever allows me to bring it up because now he's in Pittsburgh. So, Can I ask you this question? Yeah. Is it really, really bad? Is it terrible? I mean, more than anything, it was – so everything that was released to the public wasn't – they said it was like – it was like the, not the entire story. Okay. I can, that's as much as I can say. No so problem. everything that was released is true. It wasn't the entire situation that was released. Then – so again, Dwayne Haskins, he's now in Pittsburgh, and he's now going to be fighting to just to be even the backup behind me to beat out Mason Rudolph. So, yeah. And I think that's really hurt Ohio State. And now Justin Fields is being impacted by the correlation of Ohio State quarterbacks because if you watch Ohio State tape, 75 – not I can't say this exact number, but over 50% of their passing plays are crossing patterns or wide receiver screens. And the wide receiver ends up taking it an extra 20 to 30 yards after the catch because they are five to six yards open in comparison to of how the play design is set up. The Ryan Day and Irvin Meyer called plays so well that the wide receiver was so open that they were taking the catch to the house after that. So I think a lot of it's been seen there. And then you see the minor glimpses and you know, he's got the arm talent. He's got the best arm in this class it's not even close arm arm strength wise so that's really hindered him and it's un, it's really dumb in my opinion that he's being held back because of the ohio state effect that has been taking its toll now in the nfl because basically zero ohio state quarterbacks under urban meyer and ryan day have not translated to the nfl and that's plausible and here's the thing right i can't knock someone for Thinking that is just that you should also be able to see a guy's talent and what he should be able watch to do. Watch the Clemson game. Just watch yeah, it. Like, and he's playing yeah. with broken ribs in that game. So, like, and you skipped his pro day. And I mean by you, I mean San Francisco. Well, so like, how he are has you it going? again this week. San Francisco is supposedly in attendance this week. We'll see. That's not going to change anything. I mean, it should, but. It's a, far- it's a farce. It's all a farce. Like, you missed. Justin Fields pro day to attend Matt Jones. That tells me everything. Like it tells me everything I need to know. And I agree with you, but because Ohio State quarterbacks of recent vintage have been not bad, atrocious. Like these guys have been absolutely terrible, unplayable in the NFL. So I kind of understand, and you're correct, especially in the Randy offense. Like 
these wide these receivers guys are, are open so by 10 yards. <laughs> 10 yards, bro. Even against uh, Michigan, who supposedly had the mo- best defense in college football for like the last three or four years, they are immensely open. <laughs> so, like, I'm sure I could complete these passes so I could understand the trepidation of, you know, looking at it. But you have yeah. to be able to see the guy's talent. But we'll see what happens in this pro day. Yeah, for sure. I want to get your thoughts because I know you you have New England actually trading up for Trey Lance. What do you see in him? Because, I mean, I I, I have he's only started one full season, in my opinion. He doesn't have – he's a project. That's how I see him as a quarterback. And I can't trust someone that has only played one game and it'll be basically, what, two years? Since in two years, it'll be basically by the time he plays a preseason game, potentially, if they even do a preseason again, depending on how the whole situation's unfolding with the NFL and the players. Like two years, you haven't played on a football field, basically, because that and your one game that you did play was to show off yourself and you laid an egg. So, so what I see, um, essentially, like, that athletic arm, like, the ability, again, to extend plays, the ability to throw off platform. I know since Aaron Rodgers and now Patrick Mahomes, that has become a thing everyone is looking at. And reality is NFL defenders are now coming in bigger, faster, stronger. So you're going to have, you're like, this is why you're going away from the prototypical pocket passers and Hence why Matt Jones is such a head scratcher for everyone that is not San Francisco. You have, at some point, you're going to have to elude pass rushers to make plays. Like that is no longer a luxury anymore. That's almost a necessity. It's almost like watching basketball. I remember back in the day, point guards, and I'm going to age myself, but I remember watching point guards back in the day when and one first came out, having hesitations or combining dribbles like an in and out to behind the back or in and out, hezzy crossover. Those were, you know, looked at as background basketball. No, every single point guard worth his salt has to be able to combine dribbles, combine crossover moves. I think going forward, you're seeing, and even Joe Burrow might not be the most athletic, but you're seeing every single quarterback is now being asked, can you make these throws off platform or can you make these throws outside the pocket on the move? Because these pass rushers are now coming. You see some of the, the 40 times that these pass rushers are running late. It ain't any longer that you have these guys, you're plugging in guys who are just simply um, big rent stuffers, people that are plugged plug the middle. Everyone seems so athletic. They're coming with a thinner frame, and so they're running faster, and they're just stronger. I'm not sure if you've ever seen the workout that Aaron Donald does, and this is a no-stackle. This is not somebody on the on the outside. This is a nose tackle doing this sort of stuff. A guy you put over center, and I'm like, gosh, damn, yeah. that is your nose tackle. No, so yeah, and so in training, sorry to go all around, all the way around, but to get to my point, I see the athletic gifts in Lance. Mm-hmm. As you said, he's a project, so that's why it has to be behind the veteran quarterback, and that's why I think is New England's a perfect fit. Because Cam has that one year and he's going to sit behind Cam. Similar skill set too. Similar skill set. And we know how um, Josh McDaniels likes to be able to use some of these traits. We saw how he did. Because as bad as Cam Newton was last season throwing the ball, 
I mean, he was an athletic beast in goal-to-goal goal situations. I think he had like 12 rushing touchdowns last season. So Josh McDaniels is probably foaming at the mouth trying to get Trey Lance. And that's why I think he's going to fall there. They're going to trade up probably, I don't know, they're going to try and target, I'd say, Carolina to get their game. Okay. Speaking of mobile quarterbacks, there's been a little bit of a situation that's been taking place with one of the best quarterbacks in the league who has that mobility skill. That is Deshaun Watson. Uh, the accusations have continued to rise. It is now up to a minute. At least 23 confirmed women have confirmed of sexual uh, assault, misconduct, whatever phrase you want to uh, coin it. And Nike suspended his suspended their relationship this week as well. I think it's just become a very hectic situation in Houston. Just Justin, what is by I think Beats by Dre actually canceled it altogether. Yeah, I think they 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 got rid of him altogether. Yeah, yeah. that's how bad it is. I, he's losing everything. This is the sponsorships and endorsements. The first one of the first women that made an accusation finally came out publicly this weekend with a statement. So, Justin, what what has been your takeaway? Supposedly, the Eagles are still interested in trying to get him. That was released actually to the, or a couple hours ago that the Eagles are still trying to inquire about him. What what is the what how is this situation being handled and do you what's your overall take? I'll say this obviously none of us have been in those parlors so we have no idea yep. whether these people are lying or whether they're being truthful we don't know and I don't want to presuppose what's going on because on the one hand then I'm burying the guy I don't know whether he's guilty or not. And then the other, I am making um, light of some serious charges, sexual, sexual assault. And as a father, um, obviously I have a mother, I have multiple sisters. I'm never, ever going to make light of sexual assault charges. That being said, I'll put this caveat in before I get to the football side. Okay. It is puzzling for me as Deshaun Watson, a professional athlete, and in my mind, the fourth best quarterback in the league. If I'm going to have somebody touch my body, and I'm just going to put this here on, we have to suppose that every single team in the NFL has at least one uh, masseuse, one professional masseuse. Yeah. And I would assume that he has his own personal one. Mm -hmm. As a professional athlete that is so dependent on making money with his body, I would not have 20-something odd different masseuses or massage therapists touching my body that's all we'll see i would have the team massage therapist i my own and probably i'll just keep it to two three maximum a backup just in case i can't my mind is, is busy so i would hope that if indeed he is innocent he will learn going forward that the people who are handling your body and your body is the most important thing as a professional athlete that you would keep going forward the people handling your money your body to a bare minimum. And I say that maximum should be three. So not to go any further in the case because I don't know anything. Yeah, exactly. All I can say is before we talk about football is that I hope justice is served on either spectrum. However, exactly. the result comes out, justice needs to be served. All right, let's yes, transition out of the football side. So to the football side, I knew the Houston Texans were a badly run organization. 
I did not know it was this bad. And I'm going to explain to you why. It is clear that this man, for whatever reason, does not want to play in Houston anymore, right? And is prepared to sit out. Yep. How do you not trade this guy? Because you can't right now. Like, no matter how you spin it, like, this is damaged goods. Whether he's innocent or he's guilty, this is damaged goods. And you are not going to get what you could have when he first asked. Oh, yep. Especially when you look, Miami, New York. I'll touch on those two first. Mm. Those are two division rivals. And we are seeing a changing of the guard in the AFC East. You leverage one against the other. Yep. And if you... Like, if you are Houston, you cannot lose because these are two individual rivals who do not want to see that guy at the other team. They have the second and third pick at the time, respectively. And here is a haul that you could have gotten. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a young quarterback, whether it be Miami's Tua Tungabailoa or, in New York's case, Sam Darnold. Yep. You're going to get that person. You're going to get the second or third overall pick to draft another quarterback. So you have two young quarterbacks to do it out. If you don't like that young quarterback they're going to get, you're arguably going to get two more first-round picks because, as we've heard, the Bears made an offer of three first-round picks, two-thirds, and uh, two starters for (laughs) Russell Wilson. And that's Russell Wilson, not Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. So you Minimum would have been the same deal. Minimum would have been the same deal. Minimum. So you're going to get Sam Darnold or Tua. You're going to get three first-round picks, one of which would have been the second or the third overall pick, two-thirds and likely a starter or two. How do you not make that? And instead, you decide to watch this situation unfold, watch New York decide to clearly move on and trade Sam Darnold. You watch Miami use all their or a lot of their draft capital. San Francisco, who is also in the mix, you watch them get rid of all their draft capital to move up to number three. So essentially, you have no possible trade targets right now. Everyone who had a quarterback situation is currently addressing it, or everyone who had draft capital to trade for Deshaun Watson no longer has it. How are you this bad of a franchise? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they don't have a first-round pick, I don't think, for a little while longer, too. I can't remember off the top of my and if um, one of my friends, he's one of the come some of the co-hosts that comes on pretty frequently, Joseph Papandrea, and we talked about this off air one time before we came on, right before the Sean Watson potentially being traded came out officially, he was just like, I don't know what to do. JJ Watt's gone. DeAndre Hopkins is gone. Sean Watson's gone. I think I'm going to have to find another team. I can't watch him anymore. I, it's just like mind-boggling how bad Bill O'Brien dug this team into such a huge hole, and yet they keep digging. They still keep saying. digging. You're already rock bottom, and you're still trying to dig through the rocks. <laughs> I mean, just for Houston, I am so sorry, Houston fans. Like You are in a world of trouble for the next potentially five to ten years. Ten? Minimum ten, five? Minimum five. Like You're going to be bad for a while. Especially now, like, as you said, Deshaun Watson should have been traded. He's damaged goods now. Regardless of what happens, you're not going to get what you want. He's not going to – he will hold out. You already – he's already said that, and I can hold him to it that he probably will hold out. He realizes that there's nobody on that team. 
to really help him. So why would he go out there and try and hurt himself when he's has one of the teams that he gets hit most out of every out of every quarterback, statistically speaking, he gets hurt hit the most. Why would you hold on to him anyway? Because you had him last season. He had the best season of his career, and that got you four wins. Why not restart your entire situation? You can because trade. The whole you team trade, is so bad. You trade one player and you have your restart button right there. You are getting the lion's share of draft capital by yep. just trading this one man. One man. And, I'm, and I mean, I understand you cannot win in the NFL without having a franchise-caliber quarterback right now. But you get to choose that in this draft. Yeah. If you traded Deshaun Watson and you can help, you can fix so many holes by just trading the one man. It'll be, I mean, the Eagles still want him. I doubt they're going to give him a lot, but the Eagles... And that's the thing. The Eagles don't have... Water. They don't have anybody now. You had Carson Wentz as your entity to give away, and now he's gone. Like, they don't have what New York has in number two overall pick and all that draft capital. Miami still has a ton of draft capital, but they had and number Billy three traded overall back pick. already. They've already traded back. What are you going to get? Well, I mean, it's I a- guess they, tra- they traded back and got draft capital. So basically, Philadelphia is your only hope right now. But it would not have been what the New York Jets would have given you. It would not have been what the Miami Dolphins could have given you. And it certainly, because as we see now, what San Francisco gave up just to get to number three overall pick, it would not have been what the coordinators would have given you. Puzzle. Well, well, Houston fans, you're going to suck. We're just going to put it blatantly. You're going to suck. Let's, uh, so let's jump now into some NBA talk before we wrap up tonight. We're going to talk briefly about some stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the how the buyout has really wor- hindered some teams to really work and how it's pretty much just turned into title chasing for players. But first, uh, devastating news took place last night, and it's been confirmed this morning. It was not a pleasant sight if you were watching the game on ESPN last night. Jamal Murray tore has officially torn his ACL. Uh, his timeline is unknown. But if anybody knows how a timeline of a recovery of a torn ACL is, he will be done for the rest of the season. It is pretty much a guarantee. It was a non-contact or minimal contact, if you really want to say there was much contact. Going in for a layup, the game was already decided, and it was it's just difficult to watch. You cringe every time you see it. As a Golden State fan myself, uh, I watched that from start to finish. The dude's an absolute stud, and it's really he's going to be an absolute – phenom in this league and it's really hard that now he's going to probably be out for at least the rest of this year and potentially the beginning of next year Justin your thoughts on the whole situation and now this pretty much takes Denver out of any consideration of making a run at a title this year and that's the thing right I didn't have them to win a title because I think they're still too young mm-hmm. and as you see young teams just don't win in the NBA yep. but I saw a situation where they at the, they returned to the end, uh, the Western Conference Finals again. Like This team is really good, and I don't think people understand because they're in a market like Denver how good this team is. Apparently, the coaches found out when you play Michael Porter Jr. at the power forward position and started, the offense is almost unstoppable. Sorry, let me backtrack. Take out the word, cross out almost. That offense is unstoppable when they play Michael Porter Jr. at the power forward position. Yeah. And then it got 
even better with the Aaron Gordon trade. Like it was like Aaron Gordon and, and Nikola Jokic were best friends all this all this time. They didn't know the, the, the amount of back cuts. The, 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 oh my god, it was just a pleasure to watch. And in that short time, I think they have some ridiculous like plus one sixty scoring margin. That yeah. offensive um, st- start that starting lineup. And there's some number I can't remember offhand what it was when Jokic and Jamal Murray were on the court as opposed to when Murray was off. It is really a tough blow. I mean, Jokic will still be in the MVP conversation. Whether he wins it or not is another question. They will still be in the playoffs. There's no shadow of a doubt with that. They can potentially still win a first-round series regarding... It depends on who they play. They play. But they would have the Lakers a, right now, so they ain't making it out of the first round. <laughs> no, if if the playoffs started right now, no. Like I think they'd have to be like a third seed and have to play like a six or so to get out. But that's not likely going to happen. Like, it's unfortunate because I had this team possibly returning to the Western Conference Finals, and now this is probably first round fodder. So it's tough to see, as you said, but. Injury is a part of the game, unfortunately. Yeah, it is part of the game. Denver's title chances are for surely gone. I mean, I agree. I, I had them pretty much. They were more of a Western Conference final contender to me. I didn't think of them as an NBA finals contender. I thought there was too much depth in the rest of the West. But, I, I mean, it really hurts. Aaron Gordon, you were right. They have, they have gelled like glue. It doesn't even look like they missed a beat. Again, like you said, it looked like they were BFFs from the beginning. Um, but more than anything, I think it just really hurts like some of these potential series. Like if just like hypothetically, if this, if it ended again today, you could have had another Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell duel in the second round. Like you could have had, you could have had a revenge storyline of how special they were against each other in the bubble. And you could I will tell you this hot take. Had they been fully healthy, I take Denver to beat Utah again. I I I don't I I think they're a bad matchup. Denver is for them. I think Utah they're the one seed now. I don't think they're going to be the one seed by the end. I think Phoenix. Oh, you don't? I, I have Phoenix stealing that one seed. They're only a game and a half behind, and Utah has really not found that groove again after the All Star break. So I think and. Just what Chris Ball has done to teams in that year. He has exceeded the win total in his first year that they always had the year before. Exceeded it every time. So I love that matchup with Phoenix. But let's uh, before we wrap up, I want to get your overall take on the Western and Eastern Conference as a whole. What has been your biggest takeaway? For me, it's been the resurgence of the Atlanta Hawks. What they have done in the second half of the season has been absolutely absurd. Bringing in Nate McMillan has been a home run. I don't know why Nate McMillan got fired in the first place from Indiana, and now the Pacers are really just screwed for the for for a little while. But head scratching, head scratching. Like this guy deserves a Atlanta is now the four seed in the Eastern Conference at the moment. Just think about that. They were when he was brought in, they were like the twelfth. Just like so, Atlanta's been my biggest storyline. What, what's been your biggest storyline so far in the second half of the year? So, in the West, I have no idea what's going to happen. Everything rests on the health of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. 
I will say this, and it sounds weird. If I am a higher seed Utah and Phoenix, I am praying LeBron James and Anthony Davis come back right now because I don't want a scenario where the Lakers fall in that play- playing tournament because they've been gone so long. And then imagine your reward for winning a top seed in the West is to see Lakers in the first round. Like, oh, oh gee, thanks. In the Eastern Conference, there are only three good teams in the East now. Yeah. It sounds weird to see those top three seeds. And so here's my thing. The battle for the top seed is also important right now because if you are either the 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, or the Milwaukee Bucks, you don't want to be number two or number three because it means you're going to have to play two of the other three just to get to the NBA Finals. So to make that case, then, let us say right now you're the Brooklyn Nets and the playoffs started today. In the second round, you're going to have to play in Milwaukee. And in the Eastern Conference Finals, you're going to have to play the 76ers before you even get to the Finals. Right now, hypothetically, you would be stuck with the Celtics in the first round. And so you don't – I mean, right now, as Boston is constituted, I expect them to be a first-round defeat. As they are right now, and that's a – that's a story, I guess, for another show. But right, you don't want to be two. You don't want to be three. You really, if you're Milwaukee or Brooklyn, you're Philadelphia, you want that one seed as much as possible because you don't want to have to play the other two twice before you even get to the NBA Finals. That's true. I think for the Eastern Conference, it really is set up that way. You don't want to play them either team twice. Right now, the Sixers are at the top seed, half a game behind is Brooklyn. Then Milwaukee, I think they might be too far behind already. They're already four games back. I don't think that's going to be enough to jump both of them. So I think Milwaukee Milwaukee is screwed. Yeah, especially because they've been – Giannis hasn't played especially at all in really the last week. Um, But, yeah, again, the East is going to fall down to those top three teams. We understand how big of a drop-off there is after that. I mean – the Heat could probably give one of them a series. That would probably be it. Depend, but the Heat would need a perfect matchup. The Heat have to get set up like how they were in the bubble, how they were matched up perfectly defensively against each squad. Again, the West, you could easily have those top four. You have four or five teams that could easily represent the Western Conference. You just don't know what you're going to get. And if Portland gets healthy, and I'm not telling you they're going to come out the West, but Portland can be very, very dangerous. I'm not sure. They can when... easily push every game in the seven series with, the, with just Dame and CJ alone. If Nurkic comes back at some point, that is a very, very tough because I love Robert Covington. Like, yeah. And what you've done there, that is a – Portland is a very, very dangerous team. I don't expect them to get out because they have a thing against teams being led by small guards unless you're a Golden State and Steph Curry. Well, I think that's why they made that Norman Powell move. Because you can put – he's a little bit of a smaller guard, but he is a physical defender. That's what, he, that's what he's been known for as a 3-and-D dude. And Gary Trent's more of a was more of a small forward type. Now you have a guard that you can really bring in and lock in that best, defense, best guard on the other team if you really had to. I think that's right. why so they brought him in. You can get Norman Powell and Robert Covington to rotate to mark LeBron James. Yep. And or Kawhi Leonard, because that's essentially what you have them there for. 
Yeah. Lastly, Justin, we're going to talk about the buyout. How, I mean, personally, I think it's been absolutely horrible for the league this year. It just basically has turned itself into an opportunity where you have players that are getting paid elite level money to be potential perennial all-stars. And now basically they have taken the minimum because their buyout, they don't have to worry about money because of the buyout, of course. And now you can go take a minimum somewhere and go title chase. Like, no, I'm, just gonna, I'm just, I'm just going to go list, ahead. Yeah. I'm going to list ahead. off some names here. Jeff Teague bought out from the Orlando magic. He's an, it looks like he's supposedly leaning towards Milwaukee. If he hasn't signed with, right now like that's one title contender already and jeff teague he may not be elite anymore but he ain't a scrub he ain't a scrub he's a solid backup point guard still in this league andre drummond he was bringing in 28 million dollars for the cleveland cavaliers he is now with the lakers on the minimum (laughs) austin rivers left oklahoma city he still hasn't been picked up yet watch for a contender to pick him up austin rivers is a solid three-point shooter and he can spare minutes and he can score. He's more of a streaky scorer, but that's what some a team is going to need that. LaMarcus Aldridge, who's bringing in $24 million a year with San Antonio. And the Spurs aren't even bad this year. And yet they still got it. He still got them to buy his butt out so he can go to Brooklyn. And now he comes off. He's now a uh, bridge starter for Brooklyn. Blake Griffin. You want to know how much money he was making? Take a, 30, take a wild guess. 30 or $35 million. $38.8 million. And with Blake Griffin, he had another year on his deal. He was not going to be a free agent out of Detroit. Buyout. Going to the Brooklyn. Went to Brooklyn on the minimum. It's just, just come on. What is the point? I get it. The Warriors, my Warriors created super teams, and now it's going to freaking be a part of the NBA for the rest of the freaking time. I'm so upset. God, I'm happy I won titles, but still, like, come on. Justin, take the floor. I need to sit, relax. <laughs> I'll say this. The teams put themselves in this situation. There's a reason these players are being bought out because you've made bad signings. Andre Drummond is not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination, but the time that Detroit was giving him that money, the league was clearly shifting away from plotters, just protecting the ring and being able to score. Like you're a big man, had to be able to either A, score outside, or B, be able to at least guard pick and rolls away from the ring. That is not Andre Drummond. So when you give him a max contract and the league is shifting away from you, from that, that's at you. That's your fault. San Antonio made everything to acquire LaMarcus Aldridge, then found out, wait a minute, this guy is an atrocious defender. Guess what? LaMarcus Aldridge was always an atrocious defender. So why is it no that you're understanding this and yet you had no problem giving him max money or near max? So San Antonio paid themselves in that corner. Um, Blake Griffin. I don't want to blame Oklahoma City for giving him the money at that time. Sorry, it wasn't Detroit. Oklahoma City. It was the – no, before Detroit, it would have been the Clippers. Clippers and, and Blake Griffin was that guy. And when Detroit trades for this guy, you have to understand, what are you trading for? This is the guy who has started to pick up a lot of injuries. 
And he just was not the same player. So when you give up all your assets for this guy, and then all of a sudden you realize, I can't even trade him anymore because this guy is almost untradeable with that contract and those bad knees. Then, you know, I get stuck. I have to buy him out. The teams and their bad decision-making basically paint themselves in this corner. And now you are seeing, as you said, guys on these max-level deals just walking into title contenders for on a minimum. I'm going to give you a little bit of hot tip. I don't mind it. Simply because the players have almost earned this right to be in this situation. I'm not, I didn't pay myself these contracts. I didn't put myself in a situation where you're having to buy me out. And I actually wanted to get a bit of rant, and it's not exactly the same situation, but I think too often we are we have been indoctrinated to see things from teams' point of view. And I'm glad to see that players are now getting a little bit more freedom because, as you know, players don't have any control over who drafts them. Players don't have any control in restricted free agency. So you can be a situation where if you're a good player, you're tied to a team for at least about five to seven years at least. Yeah. And then with the buyout market, no, sorry to cross you. Um, Go ahead. You're seeing situations where teams are sitting down players for no reason other than I don't want to get them injured because they want to trade them. And we find no problem with that. And I'm going to harken back now to the James Harden situation in Houston. We all said it was unprofessional for James to show up out of shape because he wanted to get out of Houston, a team that clearly was not looking to win because they hired a first-time head coach and a first-time general manager, traded away Robert Covington, traded away Russell Westbrook. This is a team not looking to win. So James Harden is looking out for himself saying, I want out because you're not looking to win and I want wherever I'm going to, I get the best self or that team gets the best self. We cried on James Harden. But then when... Cleveland wants to move on from Andre Drummond and they basically sit him out for more than a month. They say, oh, well, that's just a team looking out for their best interest. So this is why, in a roundabout way, we don't have a problem with the buyout market because now players are having control to go where they want to go. But unfortunately, as you said, there's just everyone that's title chasing and it kind of has a bad look. Well, Title chasing has now become inevitable in the NBA. It's very unfortunate to see. Justin, why don't you tell my viewers, where can they check you out? Talk about your show. What are you platforms are you on? Where are we going to, where are we going to see you before I let you go? Well, unfortunately, because of where we are in the Caribbean, we are not, um, we're not a podcast per se. We're a live show, as you would know. So yeah. we're not on Spotify, we're not on Apple Podcasts because that is not available in our region. But as you mentioned earlier in the show, we are a live show basically on YouTube. We stream every Monday night. We have some technical difficulties. So for the viewers, we will be on Wednesday though. Yes, and we are bringing up the Justin Fields situation that I kind of hit on early on and talking about race and quarterbacks in the nfl so you can find us on youtube hashtag this just in the hashtag is indeed silent um you can find us on instagram that's where i found my guy here the final whistle i'm always posting every day on instagram so you can find us there again hashtag this just in you find us on twitter on facebook even on uh linkedin find us on all these channels but as I said wednesday usually mondays we are on live on youtube but this wednesday a treat 
we'll be bringing that. And on Thursdays, we have IG Live at 8 p.m. Eastern with Adam Lewis of the What All Season Pod. Hey, you know where to check them out, fellas. Go subscribe, go follow, go what you got to do. That was your Tuesday night edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. And don't worry, everyone. The merchandise is in the works. They're finishing everything up. Don't worry. I didn't hold out. I know people have ordered. It's coming. Relax. Let's settle. Have a good night, everybody. Enjoy your Tuesday. Justin, thank you, my man. Have a good night. You too, Mark.